Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. So, Wendy, I hope you had a happy Satanic Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, I thank you, Mike. I did. And I also hope that you had a happy Satanic Thanksgiving. I did have a nice Thanksgiving. A little, little, little bit of family, a little bit of tofurkey, uh, watched a couple of horror movies. And uh, yeah, just overall, uh, it was a nice to have a little vacation weekend. And now I'm excited to come back and do some podcasting and talk a little bit more about the paranormal. Me too. We both uh, we both sound like we got our voices fried a bit. We did. Well, we How did, did that happen. <laughs> we did play last night in Rockford. That's right. Yes, we did. We played at the Dedersons episode watching party, which was really fun in Kryptonite. We did a special performance. We did mostly songs from the podcast. Yeah, which was fun. It's good to get some of those songs out there and see the reactions of people as we're singing about monsters and <laughs> yes, ghosts and other weird things. So we just want to thank everybody for listening, making November another great month for See You on the Other Side podcast downloads and also the Sunspot song downloads too. So everybody That's who's right. been listening and telling your friends and sharing and stuff like that, we just love you so grossly. We do. We kiss you. We do. And so just thank you for sharing it <laughs> and keeping that music forward and stuff like that. And uh, it is it is the holiday season. Yes. We are in it now. It's it's the shopping started and all the decorations are going up. I'm seeing the Christmas lights on houses, which is nice and festive. And we are talking and this well, this podcast is really it's Cyber Monday today. That's right. So did you pick up any Cyber Monday deals, Wendy? I haven't yet, but I, I have it on my <laughs> to-do list today to go through the emails and see if there's anything that would really be worthwhile. So How about Black Friday? Look, were you hunting for beer? Did I see on your Facebook feed that you were hunting for <laughs> beer on Black Friday? I did pick up some of the special release uh, Goose Island Bourbon County Stout that they only release on Friday, Black Friday. Okay. So that was the one thing where um, there's a grocery store right across the street from my house and I thought, you know, I'm just going to go and see if I'm lucky enough to, to get there and get some, then that, that'll be my one Black Friday thing. And I was lucky enough to get in, got some of the, the regular Bourbon County Stout as well as some of the rarer ones that are in even lower supply. So, Okay, good. Fantastic. So did you already drink it? No, I haven't had any of it yet, actually. Oh, it's, what self-control. Well, I know, but it's the kind of beer that ages well. So it's usually nice to save it and let it, you know get better all right so then but i'll probably crack into one of them because well you I went know. through the waiting for it i mean you did right. the work <laughs> you did the work now you deserve the buzz it is kind of torture to, to see the bottles and be like hmm that'll be good someday yeah <laughs> did you do any shopping friday or today no i did i just did online shopping on friday i got a new keyboard oh congratulations thank you very much it was a really good deal through musician's friend they had a keyboard oh, cool. that was outrageous so i had to nice. i had to get it so you'll be seeing that at a sunspot live show a piano keyboard now yes not a, not, a, not like a, yeah, you know, a obviously you'll be seeing the new keyboard this friday when we play at the brink lounge in madison i can't wait i'm really excited for that yeah i think it's gonna be and a fun show did you get my present what was that? oh you're not you're not supposed to tell me i asked if you got my present because you said you bought some things, and I thought maybe oh, yeah. one of oh, those. Oh, yeah, your Christmas, yeah. Your, your Christmas gifts are all ready to go, Wendy. Perfect. Just one, you know, I'm just checking in. I'm trying to, like, I understand. prevent you from being stressed out later on. It gets closer <laughs> to Christmas. Understood. <laughs> Understood. Well, 
as we get a little closer to the holidays, we're, we're talking about a little more of a serious. The subject is serious to a lot of people, I and mean, it's it's very well. It it hits home for a lot of people, but I uh, thought it might be something good to talk about because there's a lot of superstitions around it, a lot of misconceptions, and because it's the holiday season, and the number one misconception about this topic is during the holiday season. Thought it might be a uh, as we get into it. Thought it might be a, a good time to talk about it and talk about some of the superstitions that have been around this over the years. Okay. So, you know, one of the one of the big myths is that suicide rates increase over the holiday season. Okay. And the the theory behind it is that as people spend time alone, and then they get this, you know, this image from from TV and from movies and now probably from Facebook and, and social media and everything. Sure. Cause you know, on Facebook, everybody else's life looks awesome. And then, you know, that, that people, as they're feeling alone, they feel bad and they kill themselves. And that's definitely something that, like you were saying, movies and TV shows, uh, pop culture absolutely feeds that myth. Yeah, they do. They, they do. And you know, they've actually found that suicide rates decline over the holiday season and not actually increase. Really? Yeah. So it says, uh, Psychology Today, this is this their article on it. It said, one of the primary buffers of stress and depression is our social identity. The holidays, if anything, maximize social connection for most people. Hence, suicide rates are lower. Heat also is associated with higher suicide rates. And for most people, the Christmas holiday season isn't exactly a scorching hot affair. Even in hot climates, this time of year isn't especially hot relative to the rest of the year. Think Florida in the winter, warm, but not hot. Okay. So people are spending more time with their family and being less alone. So that's actually a myth that's kind of nice to bust because it actually is a little more hopeful than it is sad, I think. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and it's also just interesting to know that that isn't true when you hear it or, you know, you logically would maybe think that or make that assumption. Right. And I, I think that the trouble with this topic is that it's really not something that the media likes to bring up. And mm. of course, I mean, it's unpleasant and it's personal for a lot of people who have been very, affected by it. Very. And I mean, we should probably get this out of the way. You know, if you really, if, if you guys, anybody out there is feeling alone and sad and anything like that, like make, make sure you, I mean, you can go to suicide.org and it has like the phone numbers and stuff to call somebody and, and things like that. So anybody actually thinking about it, if you ever listen to this, just go and do that and know that you're not alone and things and, and it's okay, and then you can make a phone call about it. Definitely. But, but the thing is, is that, I mean, like TV stations. So when I used to work at a TV station, and I worked in the news department, there was what's called a suicide cluster. And that's where two or three people kill themselves in close proximity in time. Oh, okay. And so a suicide cluster is when a bunch of them happen uh, in, a, in a small area in a, in a small length of time. Oh, okay. And... That happened in Toma, Wisconsin, when I was working in La Crosse, Wisconsin at the TV station. And I really was like, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, like, what's going on in Toma? Yeah, that's really weird. And then the, the news director was like, we just don't even, we're, we just don't talk about it. And the reason, okay. right. And the reason they don't talk, and, and this is, this is around like 2002, 2003. So the, um, the, the recession that was happening at the beginning of this century, was in full effect in Western Wisconsin at this time. So I mean, right. this this is already a place that's pretty poor, 
And so the news director said, we don't publicize these things because of copycats, because mm. they're afraid by introducing the idea sure. to someone that people will all of a sudden get this idea and it'll take hold of them and, and they'll do it again. Okay. Or they'll see that other people get attention. And that's another one of the myths about it, that if you talk, like if somebody says, I'm interested in killing myself, that you shouldn't say, you shouldn't approach them about it. That it actually, it's good to talk to somebody who's- mm made that kind of threat or something like that so you can do that so you can be like hey man i hear you're feeling like this maybe you, you want to talk about those feelings and stuff well that's good to know yeah and that you know and that's actually a healthy thing to get that out of the way i mean it's not gonna, it doesn't necessarily stop people or anything but at least it kind of it's led to more prevention than it's led to not hmm. and that's uh i mean that's right from the um, suicide hotline page when i was looking at myths and, and the reason i thought it'd be good to talk about it is because Coming off the Halloween season and so many ghost stories, like I've been, I've been living in ghost stories for a, a while now. And that's how so many ghost stories stop. Like start. I see, right. Yeah. You know, at, at least at, at two of the theaters in Madison, the, uh, the, the ghost stories are centered around someone that killed themselves in the building. Even in the Capitol. The Capitol, <laughs> right. too, there's a, there's a ghost story centered around somebody who killed himself in the basement of the Capitol. And... That's one of those things where people have some kind of traumatic event and they, they say like, okay, the traumatic event of a suicide is making people hang on and not being able to let them go to the other side. And the idea of suicide as like a, a, a sin or something, a, a crime is more modern and more centered around Christianity than other religions and other times. So... The idea of some kind of demonic influence causing people to kill themselves is actually that's that's something from, uh, you know, we were talking last week about the devil and how the pilgrims saw the devil and everything. Right. Well, they especially saw the devil in suicide. Huh. So much so that in England, when they would bury somebody, let me read you a little story. Records from the 11th century tell the story of a bloke who hid up in the eaves of Onwick Castle, Northumberland, to see if his wife was cheating on him. I actually have a picture of Onwick Castle. Cool. I, vi I visited it when I visited the quote-unquote most haunted hotel in the United <laughs> Kingdom. And uh, it got lost and then saw the castle. So oh. he, he hid up in Onwick Castle in Northumberland to see if his wife was cheating on him. When he saw her with another man, he fell to the floor and died. The locals were convinced, after his burial, that he was still wandering the village, spreading pestilence. They opened his grave and put a stake through him. Ooh. Even up until the 1820s, there was a law in the case of a suicide which allowed local people to apply to the magistrates to exhume the body and drive a stake through it. Wow, that is really nuts when you think about it. <laughs> right. Well, and the thing is... They used to bury people who killed themselves in different places than they bury normal oh, people. Oh, like not with, not with the rest of the cemetery. Right. They called it the rites of desecration. Let me uh, read a little bit. about Among the Germanic people, criminals would be ritually executed and left hanging from gallows located at highway crossings as a blood offering to the gods. The early Christians continued to associate crossroads with these heathen practices and considered them to be spoiled and haunted grounds. So, highway crossings were customarily designated as areas where the corpses of criminals who were guilty of particularly heinous acts should be discarded, also believed to be the meeting place of witches 
who use these liminal points as a portal to commune with malevolent forces from the supernatural realm. So, the crossroads being a pathway to the supernatural realm, that reminds me of the song Crossroads by Robert Johnson, and people said that oh, he yeah. sold his, that he went to the crossroads, and that's where he sold his soul to the devil. Yeah, yeah, and we talked about that one in a previous episode as well. Yes, making a deal with the devil. That's right. So we can have that belief up to this day where that's a popular song and people still visit that crossroads where Robert Johnson had, you know, had sold his soul to the devil or <laughs> obviously rumored to. Yeah. But they provided a, a grave site for, for people who were outcast from the society and quote unquote, potentially restless dead. Like the idea was an act of suicide cuts a life prematurely short. So it breaks from the divine order. And as a result, the soul is condemned to a state of eternal purgatory. And so the ghosts of suicide deaths were believed to be particularly hostile and susceptible to demonic control. And so you buried someone at a crossroads so that when they, the spirit came up, they were confused. And they couldn't easily return to the community of which they took up residence in life. Hmm. So the idea is they come up at the crossroads then. Well, they don't know the chances of them coming back. Are low, and since they're susceptible now to demonic possession, Eesh. well, that's the whole thing. And it, there's even a law in in Germany in the 13th century, and it states, when someone kills himself in a house or field, he shall be buried at a road junction. And then 1530, they have a law that the body is dragged to the nearest crossroads, where two or three field boundaries are marked, and there bury it in the ground in the soil of the lordship in which he killed himself, putting his head where Christian dead have their feet. Jeez. So that's the whole idea that, okay, these people are treated differently. You know, no wonder people have a, a negative association with, you know, a, a real, like a fear of even talking about this because it was considered demonic. It was considered evil. And when we talk about the purgatory they go to, there's a movie called Wrist Cutters, A Love Story. What? And it actually won the Audience Award for Best Narrative Film at the 2006 Wisconsin Film Festival. Oh, wow. And, uh, I've rented it. And it's pretty good. Tom Waits, the singer, is in it. He, he plays oh. the character in it. Cool. And the band Gol Gol Bordello uh -huh. does, does the soundtrack for it. Cool. Okay. And even the main character is like based on the lead singer of Gol Gol Bordello. Nice. So it's a very, you know, musical kind of movie. And it's and it's okay movie. It's worth a like a Netflix or something like that. I paid like four bucks to rent it back when people used to rent movies. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a decent movie. But the idea behind that is that the two people who kill themselves end up going to a purgatory and falling in love in the, in the purgatory of where suicides go when they die. Hmm, and that kind of goes off on that idea of those restless spirits and what happens to them after they go. So. I mean, moving on, and, and the way that uh, the more uh, superstitions and myths about it. So in England, they continue doing these rites of desecration, of burying them in crossroads and different places in the cemetery where criminals and stuff go, all the way up to June 1823. We got a guy named Abel Griffiths, who's a 22-year-old law student who took his own life after murdering his father. He received a profane burial at the crossroads where London's Victoria Station now stands. But it was different because in 1823, the paper actually criticizes the uh, burial and says, The disgusting part of the ceremony of throwing lime over the body and driving a stake through its heart 
was described as odious and disgusting and an act of malignant and brutal folly. Oh, wow. So they're starting to right. kind of turn on those those barbaric. <laughs> well, we're already in traditions. the ni- we're already in the 19th century, and people are still putting stakes through people's yeah, hearts so they don't that's come insane. back. It's so crazy. And so in 1823, they had a burial of suicide act, and that's what kind of prevented the rites of desecration from happening anymore. And that's when we kind of get in the more modern era, the way people see things as mental illness instead of possession by the right. devil, <laughs> kind of thing. So we're talking a little bit how Christians see that. And, you know, Christians see suicide in a certain way. The ancient Greeks saw suicide in a certain way. The Japanese see suicide in a completely different way than Christians or Americans or the Western world. And a lot of that is because Japanese society is kind of centered around belonging in a group. So like our societies, you know, we respect individuals. I mean, you think about, I mean, Captain Kirk from Star Trek, like he'd always be like, what makes us human is the fact that we're individuals and can think for ourselves and have emotions and like that's, <laughs> damn it, that makes us human. And, <laughs> nice. um, and so Japanese society is more based around conformity and acceptance. Okay. And it, it's based around the group as a whole. And, and they don't necessarily see it as, as a negative thing. So when they'd go into a battle, if you were going to be killed by the other side, if you were in a battle, let's say you're a samurai and you're fighting for your Japanese noble or whatever, and you, it, it looks like the battle is lost. Okay. Well, they had no problem with killing themselves. So you, you die with honor rather than fall into the hands of your enemies. Ritual is called um, seppuku. And it's where you cut open your abdomen, and it's a form of Japanese ritual suicide by disembowelment. Ouch. And it was actually part of their honor code. So it's better to actually do that than actually die in battle. To the Vikings and the Norsemen, you know, the idea was if you're losing the battle, then you go in there with all you got. You go berserker, you go crazy, and, and if you die in battle, you'll go to Valhalla. To the Japanese, it's better for you to do it to yourself than for someone else to do it to you. Hmm. And and they'll even do it for people that feel disgraced, like having some like cheating on their wives or being disgraced and being a criminal in public or something. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in Japan who he was a public servant and he was going to be arrested for corruption. And he ends up killing himself about it. It's like a government minister does this. Okay. And the mayor of Tokyo says like he did the right thing. You know, and this wow. is like in the this is in the two thousands. You know, this isn't even a hundred years ago. He's like, you know what? This guy did the honorable thing. He took his own life after that. And so you really see that the Japanese have a completely different view of this. And they have a thirty-five square kilometer forest that lies at the northwest base of Mount Fuji. And it's called Aoki Gahara. Okay. And I don't know if I'm selling that right. Aoki Gahara, but the sea of trees also known as the Suicide Forest. And in Japanese mythology, the forest has an association with demons. And it's called the Suicide Forest because you have dozens of suicides take place there every year. It's the place where people go to end their lives. And there's even a sign at the head of the trail that says, if you're thinking about taking your life, 
you should probably visit your family, you know, think about your families and contact a suicide prevention association. Wow. They made a movie of it called The Forest of the Living Dead in 2010. And it depicts the enacted vengeance of a jilted cover girl who supernaturally transforms into a demonic spirit when she kills herself in Nayaki Gahara. Hmm. There's a movie called Grave Halloween about a woman who comes there to, to do that. And there's a movie called Sea of Trees with Matthew McConaughey. And I don't know if it's come out yet. It says 2015. But there's a movie called Sea of Trees. So even Matthew McConaughey is getting in on the Japanese suicide forest and, and putting his own thing on there. So wow. this, this is something that's this legend of this place being reflected in our pop culture and stuff like that. And people have recorded songs about it. And it's just this weird place, Aokigahara. So in Japanese culture now, they don't encourage the ritual suicide. They, they encourage people to not do the things because they're becoming more westernized. And that's probably a good thing. So less people go to Aokigahara. So that's, I mean, so the Japanese have a completely different kind of idea about it. But, you know, even in modern times, associating the devil or people who have devilish intentions or in league with them can be, you know, related to that. I think the probably the most famous example of that is when Ozzy Osbourne was sued by parents of someone that killed themselves. Now, I know we talked in the past about the Judas Priest lawsuit and how subliminal messages can affect your mind and stuff like that. But October 26, 1984, 19-year-old John Daniel McCollum kills himself while listening to an Ozzy Osbourne record at his home in Indio, California. And this is the time in the 1980s where people still think Ozzy is dangerous, right? He's not just this weird old guy with, you know, black eyeliner and stuff like that. People think of Ozzy as someone who's dangerous. And he's got a song called suicide solution on his album and ozzy says that the song is about alcohol and it's about bon scott so solution as in liquid and so that's that's the thing is so bon scott drank bon scott was the lead singer of acdc the original lead singer of acdc right and he drank himself to death pretty much like he choked on his own vomit he died uh, and that's the album back in black comes from that um, that's the back in black. I mean, that was their, their funeral shroud for Bon Scott when they, mm. they restarted the, you know, they restarted the band. So Ozzy Osbourne is being sued because they said that his song had something to do with it. And here's his quote. He's like, you know, the boy must have been pretty messed up before he ever heard an Ozzy record. I can't help that. But I feel very sad for the boy and I feel terribly sad for the parents. As a parent myself, I'd be pretty devastated if something like that happened. And I've thought about this. If the boot was on the other foot, I couldn't blame the artist. Well, of course, he's going to say he can't blame the artist because he is the artist. Right. But, it's, but I mean. <laughs> and I, I think that his statement was sensitive. But at the same time, I also find it a little bit disingenuous, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that Ozzy was, did want to push those buttons a little bit with the song. I think the song was meant to do that. It's meant to be shocking a little, you know, and, and I know I'll probably catch heat from this for all anybody that's an artist or like, Oh, come on. You can't blame the artist. I don't blame the artist, but sometimes when you push buttons, some people take that in a different way. Sometimes when you're trying to be shocking, I mean, things go South. Okay. Yeah. And so I do think that maybe a little bit of that. It's like, okay, it's not really Ozzy's fault that that kind of thing happened. Right. Of course. But 
he is pushing buttons for impressionable people. Now, the lawsuit was, you know, taken out of court or whatever, because there was nothing you can do about it. There's nothing legally you can do. You can't blame Ozzy Osbourne for what happened. And, you know, California dismissed it. And then somebody else sued uh, a couple of years later, said there were subliminal messages in it. And that, that case was also dismissed. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that in the subliminal messages episode. Right. But the thing is, is that Ozzy was, tr- you know, trying to push buttons for somebody that can't talk about it or things like that. That kind of thing, I, th- I think it does affect people. So I know that's an unpopular opinion and I still love Ozzy Osbourne. But I think sometimes when you push buttons, there are ramifications to that that you might not realize. So I have fully gone over to the old man's side of the equation, but that's, I don't know, that's how it goes. So we talk about popular places. We were talking about the forest in Japan. And there's also this, this place in Toronto, the Prince Edward Viaduct. It was built in 1915, and it's one of the places where people tend to kill themselves in Toronto. In Minneapolis, we had the same thing, the Washington Avenue Bridge. And all the stories about the Washington Avenue Bridge were based on students that had killed themselves there. And there was nice. always stories about people like, there was a story about one guy that jumped with like his whole comic book collection and things, just like oh. really sad stories. And then other students would report, they'd be walking and they'd you know, see somebody standing at the edge of the bridge, they'd look away and they'd look and there'd be nobody there. Oh, they'd gosh. hear footsteps behind them when they were alone. You know, and the idea was that this bridge was so scary because so many people had ended their lives on it. We have the Ontario Catholic Paranormal Research Society okay. up in Toronto, Canada. And they've got a theory that places like this Prince Edward Viaduct in Toronto or places like the Washington Avenue Bridge and the Suicide Forest in Japan, there's something about them that brings people there to want to do it. So they went and they did an investigation and they brought along their electronic voice phenomenon. So that, that means they brought along sound recorders where they could ask questions and see if they were getting any kind of response. They brought along electromagnetic field, the EMF meters. And funny, their, their, their control group is they do it with and without religious provocation. Really? That, that is interesting. So re- their religious provocation is like, so no religious provocation is means they just ask questions and stuff. Just neutral questions. Right. Religious provocation is when they say, like, okay, in the name of Jesus, wow, we want okay. you to talk to us. So they try to use interesting, huh? They try to use God's name to get to get God to, so like to maybe provoke. God, yeah. So maybe God will come in and be like, hey, hey, you better say something here. So they did that, and they went to Toronto's most tragic location, and they did all these investigations they and they tried to talk to spirits and they and they tried to see if there's any change in the emf or they get any kind of useful evps and um no they didn't find anything specifically about the place but i thought it was an, i thought it was an interesting theory it is and the fact that they you know were curious enough to explore it with those tools is is pretty interesting right and 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 does a place does a place have some kind of thing that can attract people to do harm to themselves? I think it may be kind of like the the idea virus that gets into people more than anything demonic or something. So if you hear about this bridge where most people kill themselves in an area, maybe that's where you're going to go to do it. Because 
also goes back to the copycat thing too. Bingo. And I was about to say that too. So I thought it was weird that they didn't report the suicide cluster in Toma because it seemed like we should be talking about it yeah, or doing something about it. Yeah, trying to get it out in the open it. and possibly prevent future ones from happening. But maybe in doing that, what you're doing is, well, here's the thing. Are you giving people ideas? Yeah, that's a tough one. In the first place. And so that's that's the kind of thing. And there's a bunch of interesting websites and blogs and, and people who have kind of, they're asking mediums about like what happens to their loved ones who end up killing themselves. So, and, and I thought one of the most interesting ones is, so I know that you used to be a fan of Steve Pavlina, right? Oh yeah. I read his book and his blog and stuff like that. Okay. So Steve Pavlina, what was the name of his book? Like personal oh, development for smart for people? Smart or, people or something like that. <laughs> and he usually had interesting things to say. You know, yeah, and he had good, some good productivity hacks for that type of motivation, inspiration, getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess I had read this some time ago, 10 years ago or whatever, but I didn't remember it. But his wife is a medium. That's right. Yeah, I remember reading that as well. And she's got a whole website, AaronPavlina.com, where people can book a session with her. They can buy her books. They can ask her things about it. But she says that one of the, one of the most common questions she gets... And, and I found this on a lot of Catholic websites as well, and Christian websites, as they say, do suicide victims go to hell? And when, when you look at, you have this old way of looking at things, when people think that, every, you know, everything's demonic and the devil's and everything. And, and even the Catholic websites now say, like, no, it's up to God to judge people. Like, that's not... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. They'll say, like, they'll say, no, they don't really, don't really go to hell because they understand mental illness now more than they understand other things. And she goes into saying that, the people on the other side that she says that she has talked to, it's like anybody else. So she hasn't really seen something different with the people who are on the other side than anybody else. That she has people who've crossed over right away, people who hang around. And a lot of times they'll hang around. They're trying to find a way to show their family member that it's okay. Interesting, huh? To say that they understand that they had to do this kind of thing. And I thought that was kind of interesting that she was saying that there's even, you know, angels who can help them heal and guard them and, and try to try to help them on the other side, like once they go over there. Yeah. Yeah. And, working through whatever issues yeah. or things that might have led to that. Or... So I thought that was kind of a kind of a nice article. And she says, like, you know, what what kind of signs can you feel from your loved ones once you're gone? And she says, number one, you might feel their presence near you. Their special song comes on the radio when you're thinking about them. The clock stops. Electrical disturbances for no apparent reason. Pictures or photographs get knocked over. Or you can smell their scent. Hmm. And they might be coming to you in dreams. Okay. So she says that. And I thought that was interesting. I thought it was kind of a nice, hopeful kind of thing to say because... A lot of the people have to be really hurt when they come oh, to a gosh. medium, you know, it's, right. it, I, and I, this is why, you know, when I, I talk to all these mediums on Twitter all the time, I do feel like, I do feel a little bit ambivalence about the profession because you worry, like, are you just taking advantage of people who are desperately hurt? Right. And they, I mean, especially in situations like this, where it's an unexpected loss, you have so many questions and there's and it's, no place to get the answers. Right. And it's so ununderstandable. And it's such a, you know, such a heavy thing to deal with yeah. that if you are taking advantage of someone, you just have to be the lowest kind of former human. Oh, gosh. 
to do. I mean, and you can say that, well, you know, I'm, I'm lying to them, but at the same time, I'm comforting them. And it, what's, you know, is that any different than a priest or is that any different? Well, yeah, it is different because that priest hopefully would believe in something. Right. So I, I think that just the mediums and stuff, I always get a little bit of like, well, I hope you're not taking advantage of people who are at their most, you know, at their lowest point. But I think that she had a good, she had a good message about it. And, uh, you know, just peace of mind for stuff like that. And yeah. it's good. I think it's good that the, the church has kind of moved away from having that saying that, you know, everybody's going to hell and things like that and burying people in different, you know, burying them at the crossroads. Yeah, um, because, I mean, that just takes something already incredibly difficult and then makes it even worse for the, the surviving family members and whatnot, you know, I mean. Right. It, it just makes things that, worse. Yeah. And it doesn't help, though, too, that movies and stuff will still continue to do that. Like, mm. Risk Cutter's A Love Story was kind of tongue-in-cheek. I mean, it's it's a black comedy. And so that, you kind of expected that. But then there's, like, horror movies, like Devil. So Devil's a horror movie from M. Night Shyamalan, mm-hmm. who everybody likes The Sixth Sense. Yeah, that was a great movie. That's right. And Unbreakable was a good movie. And then he kind of like, went out. <laughs> he kind of petered out after a little while. But, you know, even in, in Devil, like the movie starts when a guy jumps off a building. And that's what brings the devil out. So even, you know, little things like that. And you're saying like, okay, then this is, it kind of, it restarts that whole idea that this yeah. has something to do with demonic things. Right, and, it, right. you know, in, in The Omen, do you ever see The Omen? I'm sure I have. That That sounds like one I've seen. I just... I don't remember the particular well, details of it. The, <laughs> it was a long time ago. The original's pretty good. The remake's not too bad. I don't know why they had to remake it, but the idea is in the omen that the Antichrist is born on Earth. Oh, yeah. Right. So, right. And the whole 666 thing, and he's got the mark with the 666 on yeah. him. And the omen is actually the inspiration behind Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. So Steve Harris, the bass player, was just like watching TV one night and The Omen came on and he was playing his bass. And that's why they wrote the song, because he was watching The Omen. But I mean, what he does, like half the time, Damien just makes people do horrible things to themselves. And those kind of things keep that puritanical, demonic idea alive. And so we're seeing that, again, in pop culture, in horror, in things like that, coming from these weird old beliefs that people used to have in the middle ages and that those all kind of contribute to that kind of thing so you know it's a uh it's a it's a tough thing to talk about and there's a ton of there's just a ton of weird superstitions surrounding that kind of thing like even you know i know i think i ruined jump by van halen for you yeah (laughs) and it was kind of ruined for me because okay so if you grew up, like if you were a little kid in the 80s and you heard Jump by Van Halen, you were always like, oh man, this is the happiest. Like, dun, 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 I'm going to jump know. up in the air. and <laughs> That's what you think the you song. Picture, you picture David Lee Roth like doing a splits jump. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then when people ask David Lee Roth, oh, what the song's about? Well, he said that he saw a news report about a guy who was threatening to jump off a ledge. And... David Lee Roth was like, well, you know, there's always some guy in the audience that says, go ahead and jump. Oh, gosh, that just gives me the chills. That is so creepy. And when you when you and so, I mean, it just it changes that song completely (sighs) around. Being that it's in a major key and everything. I mean, it it has that happy feel to it, too. That doesn't tend to make you think it's it's, you know, about something less. Right. (laughs) 
delightful. <laughs> you know, and the pre-chorus, you know, can't you see me standing here? I got the my, my back against the wrecking machine. I ain't the worst that you've seen. Oh, can't you see what I mean? <sighs> and that's the perspective of the guy. And then David Lee Russ like, might as well jump. <laughs> like, oh, man. So that kind of, it changes the song. Well, it's kind of like when you realize that that Sting song, Every Breath You Take, is about a stalker. <laughs> right. You know, like everybody's like, oh, man, that was my class song. And I'm like, you had a class full of stalkers? <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, this kind of leads us, though, to, I mean, we're talking about a topic that's very difficult to talk about. And, and, we're, and you have to realize that the media and pop culture and stuff like that, they will avoid things and they will avoid talking about things just to prevent conversation. It's different than saying, okay, we need to engage this and we need to figure it out. I mean, media is meant to sell things, so they'll avoid it. So Jump was one of the songs that Clear Channel sent out after September 11th that said, here's a whole bunch of songs you might not want to play for a while. Right. Okay. And this is interesting. There was 165 suggestions and like Clear Channel put it out and they didn't admit it to the internet or whatever that they said like, they said like, oh no, we didn't do anything like that. But then somebody in the independent newsletter called Hits Daily Double released it. Jump was on it. All songs by Rage Against the Machine. Wow. Uh, they, That's you know, a lot of songs. <laughs> suggested not to play. Knocking on Heaven's Door. Even... Something weird, though, Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm was recommended as not to play, while Michael Jackson's version is not. What? Yeah. Why? No idea. Weird. Dancing in the Street, they're suggesting not to play. And you're like, okay, but only the Van Halen version, not the original or the... (sighs) Mick Jagger, David Bowie version. That's Weird. absolutely horrible. Oh, and the video is so great for that one. I love it. <laughs> yeah, love it so much. It's like, wow, 80s. Just That's like a <laughs> fistful of 80s coming at you. <laughs> and just to go into this for a second, to go on the topic of things that, I mean, the, the media is afraid of it. Like some of the other songs that come out, The Beatles, A Day in the Life. Like why? Like A Day in the Life? Weird. Like probably because he says, I read the news today. Oh, boy. And so what's the first thing you're like, well, what's in the yeah, news? Yeah, I suppose. But still, I mean, it's music. It's it, it's not, I mean. Right. Smoking by Boston, Burning for You by Blue Easter Cult, anything involving fire, anything involving <sighs> Jet Airliner by the Steve Miller Band. And it's just little things. And they have, I mean, it's a weird list of 136 songs. That really uh, is weird. I didn't realize that was happening, I guess. Frank Sinatra, New York, New York. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> I know you love that song. And there's a there's a whole list of it. It's really uh, in Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. I mean, anything that could remind people. It's just my thing. My thing that I thought was funny was any song by Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, right. Shall not play. <laughs> just like, just don't even go there. Don't even go there. And you know that uh, the original trailer for Spider Man featured Spider Man actually spinning a web around the twin towers oh yeah and catching like a catching a helicopter in there or whatever like a bad guy helicopter in there and i mean they completely changed that in the trailer you know they, they took that part of the film and stuff like out there because well the twin towers were gone but also like making people think about it was something that you know nobody wanted to do you didn't want to bring it up and like the first time that the world trade center kind of comes back in a way that's not as serious 
is in the TV show Fringe, where they show a parallel universe and how you see that it's a parallel universe. First of all, Leonard Nimoy shows up. And you're like, oh, yes. my God, it's Leonard Nimoy. It shows up as a guy named William Bell. And then how you know it's a parallel universe is the like the main character looks out over the side and she sees the World Trade Center. Uh, so they're like, oh, my, like, okay, in this universe, the World Trade Center still, still exists. There. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's how they do it in Fringe. But those ideas of people being able to talk about something, and if you're thinking that you know media has your best interest in mind or is willing to deal with difficult issues, they're absolutely not willing to, you know, <laughs> willing to deal with difficult issues. So make sure that you are able to talk about these things on your own. And we have and, the internet now, so that's nice. I mean, because we can go out there and find the information more mm-hmm. easily. And there are, like, there's a there's a certain group, and I think they moved to Reddit now, but they were called a, they were called Ashers. And it was back from when people would talk on, did you ever talk on Usenet, like message boards on Usenet? When do you remember those? Gosh, I do. But man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And I used to go on the Doctor Who boards, like rec.arts.doctorwho. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I would go on and I would like write a story or talk to people. And a lot, even a lot of the writers That's who are cool. on Doctor Who now, they'll, still, they, they'll talk about like, oh, I was on Records Doctor Who back in 20 years ago. <laughs> well, there was one called alt.suicide.holidays. And that was for people who were feeling down during the holidays. Yeah, feeling down, and and they were called Ashers and stuff. And and some people said that the Ashers were trying to convince other people to actually kill themselves rather than try to help oh, people. Jeez. And they made it like a Norwegian documentary about it and said that suicide packs were made on that what? and things. And the thing is that okay, that you know some people definitely could have got together and that could have happened. But at the same time, I think the internet gives us also a a much different perspective because the internet lets people who feel alone maybe feel connected to somebody else. Definitely. Anyway, we'll put some of those things in the resources. So if you're, you know, if anybody feeling like that over the holidays, make sure you, you check those things out because, you know, you don't have to feel alone. And that's, that's, right. that's what the internet's good for. That is really what the internet's good for. Like when you think of like growing up in a small town, you're like I'm the only person like this. I'm the only person right. out here like this. Like that's that's not true at all. There's another person in the small town. The next, you just don't go to the same school as he does or she yeah. does. No, it it reminds me a lot of the early. You're speaking of the early days of the internet, and uh, when I used to go and in, into the IRC chat rooms, mm-hmm. and oftentimes that that the people that I'd meet would be that type of just very loner, you know, antisocial kind of. I'm okay sitting here typing, but I don't want to reach out and actually talk to anybody or call mm-hmm. anybody. And it's, it, it did seem like there were a lot of people like that, that were just lonely and it's an easy way to, to, to find somebody. Yeah. And felt like nobody understood them. And, right. that, and, they, and that's, it's really easy to feel like that. I think the narrative on, on things like this is that there's something wrong with people. Like, well, there's gotta be something wrong with them. And you have that kind of judgment of someone. And that's not really, that doesn't help, you know? <laughs> no, it's just, certainly doesn't. That, that doesn't help at all. So I think that what the internet does is it really enables people to connect in a way that they haven't, you know, they wouldn't be able to otherwise. And I think it's saved more lives. And, you know, they talk about the bullying stuff and Mm. Facebook bullying, and that's obviously incredibly horrible. But I think in the long run, the internet has saved a lot more lives than it has. I hope so. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Anyway, so anybody that's feeling sad or feels alone or anything like that, please check out some of the resources in the show notes. And those those are at othersidepodcast.com slash 68. Because uh, we love you and we want you around for a lot more podcasts. We do love you. Seriously. And, and just know that, that this is, uh, you can work it out and uh, figure it out and stuff like that. And there's, uh, there's always hope. It can get better. You know, I think when we talk about the song for this week, 
you know, I, I'm really lucky that I almost know absolutely no one who has uh, ended their own life. I'm, I, think, I feel like I'm really lucky in that perspective. And, well, this next song is uh, kind of about, it was inspired by uh, someone that we knew as a band that decided to do that. Um, and we didn't know about it till later. And it really, uh, it hit home and it felt really bad. But it kind of inspired us to, yeah. you know, for people who have to work through those feelings. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, to write a song about it. So uh, this week's song is Sunspot, Dig Your Grave.
quiet out the screaming in your mind If it quiets down the screaming in your mind If it quiets down the screaming in your mind Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.